0: Today, we begin exploring the historical and the cultural context of the Sermon on the Mount. This is Michael Stevens. This is the Frequency Podcast. So, before we get into the first 11 verses of the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, it's really important that we have some context leading up to the Beatitudes. I think that most people are probably familiar with the Beatitudes at some level. Maybe your pastor has taught on it. You've done a small group study, a devotional. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you know somebody that had it tattooed on them. I don't know who would get the Beatitudes tattooed on them. They probably felt really spiritual at the moment. Definitely regretted it afterwards. Have absolutely no doubt about that. However, it's important to get some historical and cultural understanding of, of what led up to this moment in Jesus's ministry because it helps us understand really how powerful, how revolutionary these teachings were to the hearers of those that were actually listening to Jesus in the life and times of Jesus. But to get an understanding of this, we have to go back a pretty good distance. We, we actually have to go back all the way to Alexander the Great. His empire collapsed, and this was prophesied in the book of Daniel actually, but his empire, his empire collapsed. And even before it collapsed, it had a significant Impact on everywhere that it touched. There was a, a major influence of the Greek culture into every area that was dominated by Alexander's empire. But as it broke apart, it broke apart into four primary pieces, again prophesied in the book of Daniel. And one of those empires was called the Seleucid Empire, which we're going to come back to in just a minute. But what happened is the Greek culture had a significant impact not only on on the the nations and the cultures that it touched but even the jewish culture which was really surprising because the jews had had somehow maintained really in my opinion by by the hand of god by the grace of god they had maintained their cultural context they had maintained their cultural identity and their their connection to the torah which is the first five books of the law throughout all of the different uh Uh, conquerings and exiles and oppressions and attacks and everything they endured, they somehow maintained their Jewish culture. But what happened is when Alexander's empire infiltrated, it began to actually break into the Jewish culture. And a lot of Jews began to adopt a Greek mentality and a Greek way of life. And it left us with two really big, uh, what would you call it, labels of Jewish people. One of them would be referenced as Hellenistic Jews which this term may be new to you but the Hellenistic Jews were ones who had adopted much of the Greek lifestyle and the others were seen as orthodox and orthodox is probably a term we're a little bit more familiar with we we typically refer to somebody as orthodox in their religion if they hold to the original teachings or they're extremely devout and this is certainly what this means In regards to the the two primary Jewish identities during this time period, we had Hellenistic Jews and we had Orthodox Jews. Certainly there were people somewhere in the middle, but these were the two primary categories. Well, in 167 BC, a guy named Antiochus IV or Antiochus Epiphanes, who was a leader of one of Alexander's uh, sections of his empire. So when he died, his empire broke into four sections. One of those was called the Seleucid Empire. Later, Antiochus IV, they later named Antiochus Epiphanes, was leader of the Seleucid Empire, and he was overtaking this area, which included Jerusalem, Judea, and he issued a decree that essentially abolished the Jewish religion. And this guy was ruthless, he was vulgar, he was intentionally offensive. And after making the decree, he actually went and, and set up an altar to the Greek god Zeus in the temple, and he began sacrificing pigs. And he opened up the temple to all people, which, which we're going to get into later. But ultimately, the only people who were allowed past a certain point on the entire temple grounds were Jews themselves. So any, any Gentile that actually proceeded past that point of, of entrance was, could be punishable by death. Well, Antiochus came in. And he, he opened it to everybody and he set up multiple altars to uh, pagan gods. You could come in and offer sacrifices to pagan gods. I mean, he completely desecrated the temple. And for the people who oppressed him, he had absolutely no problem opposing them. So the people not oppressed him, the people who opposed him, he had no uh, problem oppressing them and crucifying them. It was normal for him to, to crucify the men of the family and even hang the the dead children that he had already killed around the necks of the dads while they were still hanging alive on the cross. I mean, the guy, again, very ruthless, very vulgar, and really intentionally offensive. And what happened is this sparked what's known as the uh, Maccabean Uprising or the Maccabean Revolt. And this is a story that I'm really surprised that there hasn't been a, a really major blockbuster epic movie or screenplay written about this story because it's kind of what epics are known for, like the brave hearts and the gladiators and the chariots of fire, all of the underdog movies. This is what you expect from these types of stories. And yet there hasn't that, that I know of been one written that has really had the backing behind it to, to gain, you know, notoriety or win any type of awards. Well, what happened is Matthias Maccabee, he was a priest and a Greek official was attempting to force Matthias to offer a sacrifice to a pagan god. And of course, as a Jewish priest, he completely rejected the idea. And what ended up happening is a Hellenistic Jew, one of these Jews who had adopted the Greek lifestyle, decided that, hey, I'll do it. And he went to offer the sacrifice. And Matthias, in his his outrage, not only killed the Hellenistic Jew, but he killed the Greek official that was trying to force this uh, forced them to do this sacrifice, and and it ended up starting an insurrection. It started a revolt or an uprising, and it, this ended up taking place for about 25 years. Uh, his son Judah Maccabee or Judas Maccabee uh, ended up uh, driving, becoming the driving force. They referred to him as the Hammer. We'll get into that in, in other teachings later on, but. But it went on for about 25 years, and they actually ended up gaining their independence before Rome took control, which is where we're going to end today. Tomorrow, we're going to get into how this period opened up for the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which terms we should be a little bit familiar with, uh, and the Essenes, which is something you might not be as familiar with, how it created a context for them to emerge and become dominating and driving religious forces, political forces, and leadership within the Jewish people, and ultimately pave the way for Jesus to make his interests. Thanks again. This is Michael Stevens. This is the Frequency Podcast.